and we're live. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 57 of Fans of Power. I am Joel Motto, and I'm here with my partner in crime, Tyler T-Rex Baker. And T-Rex, we got ourselves a guest this week, a very special guest. You know who we're talking about? Yeah, and uh, when I introduce her, I want to let her know that um, she said something on a podcast years ago that always stuck with me because she, she vented my frustrations on a podcast that she was on years ago. I don't know if she remembers it, but it was a it, it was her lashing out as asking, "Why the hell was Snake Snake Man at Arms even put into classics form?" <laughs> yeah. And I, I remember, yes, like, I thank God, somebody vented their frustrations about why that abomination was forced on us in this classics line. So, if you're wondering who I'm talking about, I'm talking about Penny Dreadful. You know, that this <laughs> this woman in my frustrations on another podcast, and uh, I I. I was actually uh, making a point to, to let her know that tonight, that uh, I have a, uh, that's one of my uh, fond memories of, of her work in the He-Man fan community is uh, sharing my frustrations for that stupid figure. Well, that's a heck of an <laughs> intro. That's definitely it. If, that's what, remember, I even got Snake Man at Arms' head <laughs> and uh, Clawful's uh, big claw over here as I'm looking at it right now. So Perfect. That's where that's where it belongs. Yeah, yeah. Snake Man at Arms uh, yeah, never never got the appeal there. Uh, definitely my least favorite figure in classics still to this day. I just uh, – I never liked not only the figure – but the concept of Snake Man at Arms was never something that I. Oh for. boy, you know how giddy that makes me to hear this universal distaste for that abomination. <laughs> yeah, not many fans of that that character, that figure. But yes, so you guys heard it, Penny Dreadful. You know, you know her as Danielle, and she's done a lot in the Masters of the Universe community. And for those that maybe don't know who she is, I mean, Danielle, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? You know, so everybody can know who you are. Well, first, uh, I want to thank you guys for having me on the podcast uh, tonight. I really appreciate it. It's really uh, fun to, to hang out and geek out with you guys. So thanks a lot. Oh, um, yeah, I've been uh, a Masters of the Universe fan since 1982. Uh, the first uh, time I saw the Castle Grayskull commercial with uh, Beastman and He-Man. And um, I always liked spooky stuff and Dracula and things and something about that commercial was so mysterious and epic with that timpani drum playing the boom, 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 and just the castle with a skull face and something about that really like just resonated with me and so I've been been a fan ever since then um, and I got involved with the fan community now early early on in the 90s so the Guardians of Grey Skull mailing list and uh, was part of that for a long time and um, joined up with He-Man.org and uh, I've just been um, a long time kind of dropped in and out here and there but and, and for you know, uh, lately I've been had fortunate enough to work on officially on the brand in some capacity. Um, so that's been a real pleasure and an honor to, to be involved in some of that stuff. Well, you definitely, yeah, you're definitely a, a hardcore fan. Yeah, I mean, you are a hardcore yeah, fan. People know you. And you're speaking and of you're talking about working on some of the stuff uh, right now. Now, one thing in particular is the newspaper comic strip. It's, it's all going to be – now, these are the strips that were put into the paper. I think they start off in the U.S., and then they went over overseas and stuff too. But this is going to be a whole compilation. It's the one that Dark Horse is put, you know, putting out. Now, could you tell everybody a little bit about maybe just you know what got you into that, like how you even got involved in that project? And, of course, then when this book is supposed to hopefully come out. I, I know it's going to be coming out soon, I believe. 
Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, well, back in the 90s, sometime in like the mid to late 90s, I remember looking on eBay and seeing He-Man comic strips for sale. It was like a little collection that someone was selling. And I said to myself, wow, He-Man comic strips, that's amazing. I didn't bid on them, unfortunately, but it always stuck in my mind that there were these He-Man comic strips that existed. And I've always kind of been fascinated by their existence, but I knew very little about them. And then every so often you'd see some turn up online, um, you know, just you'd see like a strip here and there turn up, and I just kind of became curious about them. I talked to a couple of fans, uh, Dusan Mitrovic, who was involved in the official YouTube channel uh, with James Etock, and, um, you know, uh, I talked to Dusan about it, because Dusan used to read them in the Serbian uh, editions of the comic strip. And so I started kind of gathering information about them and finding out more and more about them. And then at one point, um, Val Staples and I invited uh, Chris Weber and Karen Wilson to PowerCon, and they worked on the comic strip, and they worked at Filmation as well. And they were writers for Filmation. And uh, Chris Weber was the writer of the comic strip. Karen Wilson was the editor. Uh, Gerald Fortin was the illustrator of the comic strip. And so one year we had them at PowerCon, and I wound up talking to them. And it turns out there was four and a half years worth of this comic strip that ran on newspapers every day. Every day this comic strip ran. Dailies were in black and white. Sundays were in color. And so I said, gosh, you know, there's this whole uh, you know, storyline of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, a, a canon, if you will, of Masters of the Universe that very few people have had a chance to see uh, from the vintage era from 1986 to 1991. And so I said, gosh, you know, I really would like to find these comic strips uh, somehow. And so we, I, I mentioned to uh, Val, I was going to say, you know, it would be cool if we could, like, find these and maybe put them up on eman.org or something, like, one a day or something. And uh, he said, yeah, that would be cool. Um, and so uh, one year after Comic-Con, we went to – I called Chris Weber. I said, hey, can we come over to your house? Because Chris had a lot of the comic strips that he cut out from the newspaper. So we went to his house. We scanned everything he had. But it turned out he only had about maybe two years worth of the comic strip. He didn't have the whole thing. He had like maybe half of it. Because as we learned, the the strip in the United States, it started out as a joint effort between Filmation and Mattel. They kind of joined forces to do this. And everybody who worked on the comic strip was a, a Mattel alumni, you know, they all worked at, I mean, I'm sorry, Filmation alumni, writers, artists, everybody there worked at Filmation, started out as a joint effort. Eventually it became a, just Mattel doing it, right? And then eventually the um, papers, they carried it until about 1988 or so. And then most of the new U.S. newspapers started dropping the strip. And there weren't a ton of them in the U.S. that carried it. There were like, I don't remember how many, maybe seven or so in the U.S. that carried the newspaper strip. But there were other places overseas, like in South America and Greece and India and all these crazy, you know, random uh, countries that were running the newspaper strip. And they're at the same strip. They just would take it and translate it into other languages, just like they would do with the filmation cartoon in the 80s. It was syndicated all over the world. Same thing with the strip. So... We, it, was, it took a lot of research to try to find these. Um, and, you know, Val and I and Eric um, 
Gibbagok on the forums, a uh, really nice guy. We, we actually wound up going to the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. to uh, source microfilm and do high-resolution scans from microfilm. We got, uh, you know, uh, Greek comics over from, from Greece, like comic collections. Uh, Joe, I think you, you have a couple of those, I, I do. believe. Yeah. yeah, those were the newspaper strips printed in these Greek collections. And uh, we went to, you know, contacted South America, the newspaper in South America, Globo that ran the strip for quite a long time and they had a lot of the color Sundays and they actually helped us out and got us a lot of those color Sundays so through a lot of research and elbow grease and searching web searches phone calls international phone calls um, you know I speak Portuguese so I was able to speak to the people in Brazil who speak Portuguese so it's like craziness of a lot of the work to uh, restoring stuff. Leanne Hannah, who worked on the MV Creations 2000X comic, she did a lot of the restoration. Um, and so it was like, it was a joint effort between quite a few people and kind of Valent and I tag teamed a lot on trying to like locate the sources and the material. And um, while this was going on, as we started this early looking for it, the art book came out, the Dark Horse art book was, was coming out. And I said, well, gosh, wouldn't it be cool if we could get these into a book, you know, like a whole collection of these uh, strips. So uh, talked to Val about it, sent him some examples of, um, you know, different comic strip books. I dropped a line over to Daniel, the editor at uh, Dark Horse, and also mentioned the idea to him, sent along some strips for the art book, which wound up, they did a two-page spread of the strips. And, uh, the ball, the ball started rolling. It started to get interest. Val put a poll on human.org about like which comic, which would, would you like next as a Dark Horse book? And people voted, and the strip book did very well, as did the Filmation Cartoon Guide, which came out, which my good friend James Edoch, amazing book, which I have here next to me. It blows my <laughs> mind whenever I look at that book. Um, you know, um, that did well, and... Uh, that's told Dark Horse, okay, maybe we'll, you know, maybe we can give this a try. And so it kind of went from there and it, and it happened. It's it kind of, it's crazy that it's a reality now and it's coming out on February 14th on Valentine's Day. What a great Valentine's Day gift. <laughs> that's a good gift. That's a gift that a loved one should get something there. I mean, but what dedication and research and everything that you guys did into that, that's, I mean, it's amazing. It's fantastic. I mean, what's great about it is, like you said, it's older stuff, but it's stuff almost nobody has ever seen before. They, they never, yeah. half of the people have never heard, heard of it. So this is what's old is actually new. And I'm most excited about this probably more than any of the books so far, because like you said, four years of strips of all this of comics and stories and things and characters maybe we've never seen and characters we've seen before, but maybe look different. Like, uh, like I said, I know there's no way we'd want you to tell any of the story because that'd be fun. It's it's for fans to find out and to see who didn't know it. There's one thing I posted online, which it's not a spoiler, but like King Hiss, for example, he looks nothing like the King Hiss we know. And that's why I love that one comic I have. It's the only one that I have from, I think, that series. And King yeah. Hiss looks more of like like a crocodile man or he's like a green reptile he's completely different and i think fans yes it's like this weird like pointed staff or spear staff but yeah I, I love that red cape and he's odd looking but 
I'm so glad that you guys did this gigantic project because trust me, it's going to pay off. I, I haven't met a fan that hasn't wanted this yet because just the thought of, again, seeing all this stuff that's never happened. I mean, I mean, it's never been here for everybody to see. It's just going to be the biggest. I think it might be one of their best sellers, at least for me, I would think. I don't know if it will. I hope I so. Hope it I hope people it. like it. I hope people like it. I mean, like any other stories, some stories maybe people will like more than others. Uh, there's some really cool ones. There's a lot of mythology and lore, uh, like about the sorceress and uh, just different things that they kind of touch on. I mean, some of it's kind of corny, but it's fun corny. Yeah. I love yeah, it, it, you know? Well, like you said, uh, I guess so, everything gets a little bit of fun corny. I mean, everything kind of has. Yeah. It. But, you know, yeah, I mean, and some of them fantastic. Like you guys were talking last week. I listened to the episode about um, you guys were talking about did Orko and Gwildor ever like have adventures together or interact? And in the comic strip, you do see them together quite a bit, oh. and they have a bit of a. Ad- I won't spoil. I won't spoil. Just their personalities. Just think about their personalities. What are both oh. guys into? Like one's into one thing, one's into something else. So okay. see how their that dynamic works there. You know. Because I know Tyler, like, I mean, he's just like us. He eats the stuff up. And I know, Tyler, you're probably going to be definitely buying this book, too, just to see some stuff from the past that, you know, how we enjoy a lot of the stuff then. At least it was, you know, seemed like it was more fun. But you're getting it, I'm assuming, correct? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I had no idea that this was even uh, a thing until Joe <laughs> sent me a couple samples. Of it, and I thought, oh, this was a uh... – and they come to find out that you were working on this book. I'm like, what, there, there's, there, there's enough for a, a book? Yeah, so that's really just, it was just kind of one of those moments where the brain kind of pops out of the skull and then kind of comes back in there. So it was, it was pretty cool because the, you know, the closest thing I could ever think of was like, was seeing Spider-Man in the, in the newspaper. I thought, well, that was so, but to think of He-Man being as a regular comic strip in certain, and and no wonder when you said that maybe about seven national newspapers or seven papers spread throughout the U.S. and, of course, other parts of the world got it. It's no wonder why I never heard about it until Joe told me about it. I think it was well before the book was announced. I think it, he just oh, yeah. kind of went with his... Yeah, like when I was showing my, yeah, I think I was when I was showing you my scan of, well, the thing with King Hiss and, and some of the other oddball things. But, uh, yeah, when I show that, it's, yeah, it takes fans to always saying, what is that? Because that was like years ago. I remember when I first showed that King Hiss one, and so many people kept saying, where's King Hiss? I don't see King Hiss in this. I was like, no, I said, that's King Hiss right huh. there. I was like, huh? And then they wanted to know more, and I had no clue about the amount of stuff. It's just, you know, I thought, hey, there was a couple of these. And then you start finding out more and more, and yeah, like you said, now you got four years of it popped into one big oh, yeah. giant book, and yeah, I can't wait for Valentine's Day. And everybody mark your calendar, Valentine's Day. You know, tell your loved one to get it, you know, for you, and if not, you just love yourself and get it for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it is. I have to ask you because I want Daniel to spoil this for me if, if need be. Is, all right, is Clamp Champ featured in any of these? He is in actually right. a couple of the stories. Yeah. All right. All right. Oh, what about Ninjor and Scareglow? Yes, they have Ninjor and Scareglow. Ninjor. One of the stories is is specifically uh, uh, centered around oh. Ninjor. He's like the main character in the in the story. Yeah. The Ninjor, Ninjor strikes stocks by night. Yeah. <laughs> and right, Scareglow is one. in that story. All right. What about Blade and Sorod? Correct. Yes, they are. Yeah. yeah one of the, one of the stories is centered around Blade specifically, um, and Sorod is in the story as well. You know how yeah. fantastic that is. I mean, you just made Tyler's day with all those things. Yeah, find here. Hard right now. Just <laughs> Wow, there you go. Now, that's excitement. That's excitement, people, right there. See, now, I, 
That's it. I'll ask a question. <laughs> now, this is the thing. I'll ask a question that, I mean, I already know the answer is no, but I'm going to say it for funny anyway. Hey, Danielle, are any meteors in that comic? I'm sorry, Joe. <laughs> the, the, the rock warriors are... The, the the comet warriors are the rock people are but not I'm sorry Joe I'm sorry that's no. that's fine I mean hey I already knew it was gonna be no probably that's no, that's all right Joe's gonna reach a point where he I... really does get pissed off and start you know you know kicking puppies rough up bartenders when he finally is told that he's denied meteors again that's at some point we'll we'll see at see some this... point <laughs> exactly but you see this mask I'm not lying maybe that'll be my thing if they finally release a meteor and we get some for classics this might come off. I might take the mask off. Or it, it you pops have to off like, it off. like Grace's mask would in Friday the 13th Part 7, you know, or something like that. Yeah, exactly. You Shattered. And underneath I have a mask of Cometroid or something. You're like, Dang, You have to. That has to be your vow. If they release, if Super 7 releases a meteor, which could happen, that, that yeah. mask has to come off. Joe will be unmasked. <laughs> all right. So, well, Daniel, thank you for all the info on that book. It's fantastic. We're all going to look forward to it. So, well, speaking of stuff from the past and different characters and stuff, we're going to move into now, because I know you love discussing certain characters, too. We're going to discuss the Energy Zoids. Now, before we get to their mini-comic, first we could just talk about the figures in general as a kid. Now, of course, I remembered when I first got them, you know, completely something you've never seen before. I love their spin gimmick, because that's... It was their gimmick. It was all about gimmicks in the 80s. That's what it was. So it's fun to see these things. You rev them up. They spin around, knock things down, use their weapon. And now, Danielle, did you buy those when you were a kid, too? Did you get them as an adult, or did you never get them? Um, I I got them in the 90s. I did not get them when I was a kid, um, I, but I did wind up getting them in the 90s. I got, I got them on card, and the, even then, as I recall, they were kind of a expensive compared to the other figures, uh, the, the uh, Rotarn Twistoid. Uh, uh, I got them both carded. It took me a little while longer to find Twistoid than Rotarn, as I recall, but I did eventually get them. Uh, and then, as I've, Joe knows, I sold my most of my vintage collection off when I moved to California for a couple of years. I was out there, and I needed money. And uh, my one regret uh, <laughs> in life, I sold my vintage collection. But fortunately, my husband, my late husband, uh, vintage figures uh, over the years because he knew I was like ruining that I sold my vintage collection. And so I cherish those vintage figures now just as much as I did my childhood ones because those now have renewed meaning for me. Uh, but anyway, Rotar and Twistoid got them in the 90s, didn't have them as a kid. So I guess another quick question is, so you had a min on cards, so you never had the experience of opening them and seeing their feature or playing with their feature, huh? Oh, I did. Uh, no, I bought, I think I told you before, I bought some lots, lots of figures that, and they, there was, I think Rotar was in one oh, of them. So, you got so I did, see. I tried, it worked horribly. It was, didn't work at all. It was, it was I, I, I couldn't get them to work. I just, I couldn't get it. Maybe I was Well, that's heartbreaking. I mean, me, I I just, like I said, I played with them into the ground. They were my spinning warriors to knock out piles of the other ones. If I had the good set up and pads, I'd have it and see who could knock the most down. But, like, Tyler, I can't remember. Did you say you did get them, too, or you got them later, or what? I wasn't even aware they existed until uh, I I saw them on the old Adam Tyner He-Man website. <laughs> which was just pictures of various vehicles and proto- that's where I saw the hero prototype and and things like that and that's where I saw uh, Rotar and Twistle for the first time and I I I thought 
oh wow, those look awesome, and and I I, I would see more pictures of them in Lee's tour review. But uh, I, I got twisted in, in a lot from a uh, a guy that was around my age that was just I put an ad in a local like sales paper and his grandmother answered it and he met up with me and Twister was part of this trunk of random He-Man toys that he sold to me for like 40 bucks. Uh -huh. um, and then I got Rotar on e like the early days of eBay for 20 bucks with nothing. And at that point and pretty much too, I didn't care if it didn't come with anything. It's like, I've got Rotar. Like this is a hard <laughs> one to find. This guy wants 20 bucks by now here. So, cool. um, I was just glad to have it. Still don't have either one of them up there. They're sitting in the, these perfectly, you know, set holes on my uh, display shelves. It's like these shelves they make uh, for, like, hardware tools. They're perfect for displaying Rotar and Twister when you don't have, like, the display uh, pieces that they well, were hey, sitting in. Don't feel too bad about that because they never really bounced in those anyways. I mean, they came first. There was, like, those little pedestal things that they had. There was yeah, no way yeah, of that. Yeah, I have anything like that. These whole oh, yeah. they, they but don't feel bad. They, <laughs> yeah, they couldn't even stand in those. I used to look at them like, what is the purpose of this? They can't sit there perfectly with the oh. way they the weight was. And you could try to get lucky and get them in their little attack weapon. Like, sometimes Twistoy definitely would get in the center of his perfectly. He sometimes could stand, but Rotar would still just tip over on his but well like yeah. i said i wanted to get everybody's experience on the figures because this is all going to be building up to something eventually but uh okay let's go into the mini comic and danielle since you're our guest why don't you give us the thoughts on or your thoughts on the energy zoid mini comic and then we can kind of ramble on it back and forth um well the energy zoid mini comic uh i also got in the 90s and that i did not sell i didn't sell any of my mini comics um oh. and um I loved, uh, I loved it. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. I think it was a cool idea. To me, Rotar, like, okay, so he's this wound soldier who's, you know, uh, mortally wounded in battle. Like, he's grievously wounded, and he has to be saved by man-at-arms. Uh, so He-Man brings him to, uh, happens off-panel, but He-Man brings uh, Rotar to man-at-arms, puts him in this gyro machine and turns him into an, the first energy zoid, into a cyborg with no legs or lower torso, seemingly just this kind of metallic-looking cone of, that he spins on. Um, and he becomes a heroic warrior and wants to prove himself. And I always thought, to me, I just, I just like, I don't know, I just thought that was, I don't know why there's so, those characters get so much hate, because I thought that was kind of a cool idea. That this, I mean, Man Arms had to save his life and turned, had to turn him into a cyborg. I know some people have, like, come down hard on Man at Arms for doing that, but, um, you know, uh, what is he going to do? The guy, that's the only, the, that's, that was the only choice he had to save his life. Um, and then, you know, like a good so, Dr. Moreau. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. definitely. Um, you know, it's a, it's a cool mini comic. And Skeletor and, and King Hiss wind up stealing the gyro machine, and uh, they make their the robot Twistoid, which is meant it's meant to make these these battle robots apparently. So there you go, Twistoid, and and uh, they wind up having this big battle. Rotar and Twist uh, Rotar versus you know he outwits them and gets squeezed to get all tangled up with the. Uh, recall and then he-man shows up with man-at-arms and the gyro attacker uh which i still wish that had uh -huh. gotten as its way you know but, uh and uh yeah they saved the yeah, day you hear that super time. seven what's that i said i hope super seven is hearing that demand because i would love to have the gyro attacker that'd be nice that would be so cool right 
Yep. So with uh, that comic, with everything you're saying there, see, and like you said at the beginning, just in case fans didn't catch that, she said they never showed He-Man bringing Rotar injured. It, it starts off with, like you said, Skeletor and King Hiss and Snake Face and I think Squeeze all around it, uh, you know, looking into that thing that they always do to spy on people. And they're spying and they're seeing that Man-at-Arms has a new machine, this gyro, gyro machine. And, you know, gyro means spin, we'll all... Remember that spinning. So it has this machine, and that's when he said, uh, "He man, I was able to save that uh, wounded warrior." And he comes out, and bam, he's somebody new, and it's Rotar. And Rotar even kind of like proclaims something like, "Even though this machine is used to create robots, it saved my life." So he, he says it. I mean, he he definitely lets you know it's used to create robots, and it was then it used to save his life. But they never showed him being brought, so you don't see what Rotar ever looked like. And we know he was wounded. We don't know how badly, but I mean, it was pretty bad because obviously you're going to die. You you know, he got saved. But just remember, like, that for later. But so he gets saved. They go into battle. And now here's the thing that you, you got to catch on to. There's a lot of times for what I noticed, they kept calling him, at least I think on three different occasions, the evil warriors were calling him like shorty, twerp, something, little guy. I mean, because He's smaller. He's, he's not a big guy. He's just a little thing. And he's a, it's a new spinning feature. And it was supposed to be, like, of course, to make you buy the figures. It's, a, it's all gimmicks again back then. But it was a cool story because he was somebody that he was supposed to be guarding the gyro machine. And when the evil warriors came in, because he's thinking, like, oh, man, this is my first act as a heroic warrior is to guard this machine. And he wants to do more. But when the evil warriors show up, he thinks, should I go get the good guys? He's like, no, I'll try to do it. And, of course, you know, he should have probably went for help because he gets caught and captured and turned to stone by Snake Face. And then they're in a big arena. They fight. Here comes He-Man to save the day, like you said, in the gyro attacker. And then he learns that, hey, you should be able to count on your friends. But, Tyler, you go ahead and flow with a little bit of the story, and then, you know, we'll get into some other stuff. But your thoughts on the, you know, characters in general in the mini comic? I thought it was a great depiction of the two characters, essentially what they're supposed to be and you know, Rotar pretty much is the star of it. You know, Twister kind of comes in as kind of like a a brief afterthought, you know, towards the end of it. It's 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 enough to really set them up as like these are going to be two rivals, just like Fisto and Jitsu and um, uh, making a buzz off and Cobra Con a web star. People are, you know, <laughs> that's a natural rivalry to me. So, yes, that's uh, that's what, that's what yeah. it does. It sets it up as like for their adventure, these two guys will be you know, button heads and, and spinning around each other for quite a while. And uh, it would have been cool to see uh, an army of Twistors taken on horde troopers, kind of what's hinted at in this, you know, that their Skeletor's uh, whole logic behind it is to, to com- you know, combat horde acts. So to see Twistors fighting, you know, uh, horde troopers that burst when you hit him in the chest, like Cyclone, you that know, uh, is used. It, it would now that would have been a cool mini comic. The Evil Warriors with Army of Twist Order versus Army of Horde Troopers. That would have been awesome to see. So it's it's a great mini comic. You got Squeeze, my favorite Snake Man, is pretty prominent in it. The Arena of Doom, which to me sounds just like the one from Clash of Arms, is featured again. And um, and being teased by that wonderful toy that looks so cool, the Gyro Attacker. Um, that we never it, this got. this. This is just like, you know, it's almost like the um, Powers of Grayskull. Well, not as disappointing as that when you, you never did find out as a kid who, who was the guy in the shadows and you never got the third part. But, you know, to advertise that cool looking toy that works strictly just with Rotar, um, pretty well, pretty much. Um, it's just, um, it's, 
it's one of those reminders of like what could have been is what this mini comic is, you know, just like powers of gray school. It just shows you where this is going and was stopped. And it's just a big tease, but it's still <laughs> damn good. But a good tease. Yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, like I said, but a good comic, there was like maybe some part like Danielle, I think you might remember too. And other parts of it, but was when he first was when Rotar first met Twistoid. And, you know, Skeletor presented him his new evil robot, you know, Twistoid. And I think there was a part where Rotar looks at him and says, a robot? And it was with a question mark. And I always thought, well, why are you surprised? You knew. You said it at the beginning. You burst into the machine <laughs> and you said, it's a machine that's supposed to create robots, but it saved my life. It's like, well, why are you surprised it's a robot? Of course it's a robot. <laughs> He's I mean, trying to and tell the kids reading the book that this is the robot and that he yeah. <laughs> and it's it sets up a cool dynamic there too because it's like well like he'll never get tired because he's a robot you know he can yeah, just going, yeah. going and out, out wear you out you know whereas Rotar is he's a cyborg he's human still so he he's, he's not, doesn't have the endurance that exactly yeah. <laughs> like a shorter version he's the of shorter Robocop, Robocop yeah. man. he remembers he has memories <laughs> he's taking on Ed 209 <laughs> <here>. <laughs> Yeah, but all in all, no, it was it was a good story. Introduced them both, you know, just like how we always seen with any characters. So we understood them, the gimmicks, who they were, and it was a fun comic. Now, otherwise in the United States, we never seen any other comics with them. There was like a little, uh, I think, in one of the Star Marvel uh, comics, there was like that promotional page, and you seen you know Rotar standing yeah. there. I think, yeah. But but besides that, and Danielle, you can maybe share a little bit of this. Uh, you said that he appeared. In one of the Italian uh, comics or books yeah. or something, that's what's kind of cool. Tell us, tell us about that one. Yeah, he's in uh, he's in the Italian uh, Magic Boy magazine, uh, which had a, a section of He Man comics in it. Um, and so one of the stories had Rotar in it quite prominently. Um, and uh, it was him, Extendar, and Roboto. And uh, Ro- uh, Rotar was, you know, he was quite the ladies' man in that, as I recall. <laughs> like, these, these like three girls show up and. Uh, the three heroes are kind of like, oh, we can't go talk to those girls. We're kind of like, we're the weird kind of heroic warriors. And Rotar's like, you know, he just kind of, you know, strolls or twists he's on a- over to them. And he's like wicking and, the, you know, one of the girls thinks he's cute. And uh, and then the story, in the story, Skeletor um, has a device where he's able to take control of their... Um, components so he makes them do horrible things like he winds up taking over their their sort of mechanical components and he-man winds up having to fight extendar roboto and and rotar um and it's it's just this crazy story but it was kind of cool to see uh rotar in another story like and and having kind of a quite a there where he's like macking on these girls you know it's like wow that's unexpected (laughs) I'd love it if we could translate that to eventually, like we could get that in some form so we could read that because stuff like that is fascinating to read to see him, like you said, as man, he's a ladies man. Because what's weird is if you look at pictures of this, like I did, and you don't understand what they're saying, I'm wondering, why did Roboto just pimp smack a woman, like almost the yeah. I was like, what? what are you doing? Yeah, I was shocked when I saw that. It was like when I saw that, it was like they uh, Rotar, like, well, Skeletor takes control of them and they start doing horrible things. So they're like talking to these girls, and then all of a sudden, Rotar like spins his like that 
cone and and the, the you know and the girl's face and she like falls back like and then um robot uh, extendar like extends himself to his full height and drops the girl like from this full height and then roboto like backhands this poor woman and i'm like what the hell is going on here like this is hor- horrifying what is this abusive uh, stuff happening here and then it turns and i didn't know what was going on because i don't read italian but i I, wanted, I have a translation somewhere i have to, to show it to you but it's like uh, it, they wind up um uh it winds out that it, it's skeletor that's kind of in control takes control of them and makes them act horrible uh Which- so I guess that date didn't work out for those guys. <laughs> I guess not. I mean, I guess that's what's good is, I mean, like you said, when you find out from the translation, it's because they were under some kind of control. Because you're right, you look at that initially, you're wondering, why are all these poor women being abused? Now, here's the thing. Even though it's translated, and now you find out why, I'm like, that's still kind of crazy to show these poor, it, just innocent women being beaten, you know what I mean? Right, <laughs> right. You never would have seen that in an American comic in the 80s, I don't think. In a He-Man comic, I really doubt that would have uh, been in there. Uh, but no. I, yeah, but it's, uh, no, I, I, he's, uh, I did wind up, with, we have the Dark Horse is doing the character guide too, and we did a dark, uh, there's an entry for the Italian comic Rotar in there that tells a little bit of that story as well. Ladies so. Man Rotar, all right. So Tyler. Ladies, this is the ladies man, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want that to be part of his canon. Like, I want, I want Rotar to be known as the ladies man of the heroic <laughs> warriors, like. You know, and kind of always being looking like he's kind of slapping a girl in the rear end and kind of winking at her kind of thing, you know. He'd be kind of screwed crass like Rodney Dangerfield might be or something like that, but they still fall, you know, they're falling all over this guy, you know. That's and, uh, <laughs> Oh, my God, Tyler, Tyler. 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 He just gave me an image. Tyler just gave me a crazy uh, image. Like, picture, like, if there was a lot of women standing, like, maybe around, and you see Rotar, he's standing there. I mean – balancing there and he slowly spins up he says how you doing ladies and he spins and smack 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 smack, smack. like it's all their butts and <laughs> <laughs> although you gotta wonder if it was only his legs that got amputated in that accident like i don't <laughs> i don't know what rotar's got that's to probably why he's kind of quite excited to kind of be spinning around all these years you know still works fine here lady <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> me spinning around it just means i can get to the next one faster you know <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, well, seeing as, like you said, we, we never had much, I guess, uh, history for him beyond, you know, the one we just read and what you just said. Now, that's what's cool. Didn't you, Danielle, you made up, like, your own kind of little story of, like, maybe what happened, how he got hurt, and exactly who he was? I mean, I think that'd be fun to hear, like, your kind of story that, you know, what you made for him before you know, he actually- I, I- Joe, I can't believe that you even remember this story because it's, it's buried in the bowels of, of He-Man.org somewhere. So it was a you know me and characters, fan- certain characters I love, and I can't help it. So yeah, go ahead. I was like, wow, Joe, that's I'm impressed that you remember that. Um, it was uh, I wrote that story. Uh, it was a fanfic story. I don't really write fanfic that often, but I wrote that as a fanfic about Rotar. Probably the only Rotar fanfic in existence, as far as I'm aware. Uh, but because I was annoyed, I was really aggravated because when Cla- this was before Classics released Rotar and Twistoid as figures, and I remember fans saying to have a complete collection of vintage figures or all the heroic warriors will be done once, like, 
real blast or somebody comes out like once that they'd list them out but they'd leave off rotar you know mm-hmm. or, or they'd leave off twistoid off the evil warriors and i would i'd get kind of annoyed by that because i'm like these are rotar and twistoid are heroic warrior and evil warrior respectively they're not like belong in as part of the vintage line so and then i'd read comments like they they thought it was stupid they had a stupid gimmick or they thought man at arms was awful for doing that to to this injured soldier and stuff where's on the org over this stuff good grief it was just it was like endless it wasn't it was on the org it was on facebook too it was just like people kind of poo-pooing these characters and so i was like well i want to write a story about rotar and why he's cool you know and i just kind of tried to like think okay what would the psychology of somebody like this be like what i mean if you think about the character and this is i know i know i'm thinking too deeply about it and i fully admit that but it's like this person horrible injury and was transformed into a cyborg so he must have mixed feelings about that like being in a situation like that so this is him kind of like dealing with with his new reality like he's you know he gets out of bed in the morning his bed is lowered to the ground he gets out of bed and you hear the clank of the metal the metal against the ground as he gets up and he's uh you know, and he's dealing with his feelings about man at arms too. Like man at arms did do that to him, and and then there's like I had a scene between him and man at arms where man at arms he's Rotar kind of confronts him and says, "Would you have done this if it had been the king, or if it had been the prince Adam, or your own daughter?" And man at arms, without hesitation, replies, "I, I of course I would without I would do it without hesitation. You know, when I would do the same thing to them as I would to anyone because." it was the all I could do to save your life and life is life is valuable, you know? And so I, they have this kind of conversation between the two of them. And um, I just, I don't know. I kind of wanted to give them a little bit more uh, an understanding. And I, I just kind of always thought of him as sort of like somebody who overcomes uh, a serious handicap to become a heroic warrior. Like he's was seriously injured and he has overcome that and has these new powers and abilities and he's become a heroic warrior. I think that's an, it's an interesting dynamic for that character. And I always wondered why people didn't like just kind of dismiss him that way. It's like, this is, a, this is, this character is powerful in, in several ways. You know, I think it's a, it's a cool, it's a cool character. And I know I, again, like I said, I'm thinking too deeply about no, it. I want to kind of address uh, that. What, you, know? what you brought up there made me think of like the uh, Lieutenant Dan character, Forrest Gump. Like he's quite upset that he's still alive and he's, you know, his legs are missing. And then he really eventually comes to realize, Hey, look, life can still be great. And, you know, that's what you, you say, yeah. him getting out of bed, hearing the metal clank on the ground, and then, you know, going to question man in arms, you know, you did this to me, you know, yeah. and, and just kind of questioning that and coming to really appreciate it. That, that's that's a really good story you gave to him. Thank you. Thanks. I just I just didn't like that. He was just kind of just like, this is part of the vintage mass. He's a heroic warrior. Like, why are you, why is he not as important as other heroic warriors? Why can't, why can't he be included in the collection? And ironically, when the classics figures came out, now they're some of the most sought after figures and people are mad because they can't get them for their collection because they're really, you know, so it's yeah, funny. You know? That is bizarre. And like you said, I'm glad you did give them some more story because that's what they kind of deserve. I mean, every, every character deserves more, but I think that's it. When you don't have too much of something, 
And then you see these characters that maybe when you were kids, you didn't own Rotar and Twistoid because you thought they looked oddball. Maybe you started collecting Masters of the Universe when the cartoon was off the air and now you're getting hand-me-down figures. Or you could have been somebody that just watched the cartoon a lot, you know, even when it was still on or maybe it was just going off and still didn't have many of the figures. And later on... Are you, you get- describing me, Joe? No! I'm not- <laughs> of course I'm describing you. Yeah, no. Um, no, but here's the thing. So, like I said, not... T-Rex is different. T-Rex is just, he's dedicated into, you know, all of it, except, you know, the new Thundercats, He-Man comic. But he's pretty much dedicated. That's, 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 that's not even a, a thing. It's, 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 it's. Oh, there he goes. There he goes. Oh, dear, I'm all speechless. Keep going. Yep. All right. You lit, you lit so, the fuse. Yeah. So anyways, I've noticed this with a lot of fans. And see, that's what it's leading up to for classics. Because then people were saying, hey, if they're released, should they have legs? Now, most of the fans, I'm not saying all, because everybody's entitled to their opinion. If you like the legs, cool. I really respect that. But most of the fans that I grew up with, you know, that liked He-Man and know, you know, He-Man from the beginning that collected everything, when they heard this leg option, they were like, oh, why legs? They didn't have legs before. Why would they have legs? And a lot of people would say, well, they should have it just to fit in. But then people would say, but... They don't have legs. They never had legs. Then there's people who said, oh, I've seen the mini comic, and Rotar had had legs in them. I'm like, which mini comic did you see? Because, <laughs> I mean, we just read it right here. But there was no legs in it. They didn't even mention that. As far as we know, he could have been a centaur warrior that lost his centaur body. He could have been a half man, half fish. We don't know what he looked like. And here's the other thing is, okay, you're giving him a leg option now, which it, it, yeah, it's cool if you want to display, but I don't like the leg option at all because they were meant for being this gimmick back then of being a spin gimmick gyro machine spin rotar spin twistoid spin it all means spin so the legs made zero sense to me and so like i said they wanted to give them the legs because they thought they were in the comic they said in the comic but again it never happened like that we never know how bad and oh that's what i was going to say too is okay that you're giving the legs to so rotar apparently can look like he did when he had legs do you think when he had legs he also had that breathing apparatus over his face and all the stuff on his chest i mean he was probably a whole different completely looking character he was probably just like you said we have no clue what he looked like so by giving him legs why don't you take off the breathing apparatus too why don't you take off this do i mean it's it's not there's no logic and definitely twistoid there was never a twistoid with the leg because from the get-go they were spinning robots that's what they were going to be spinning robots so that was my whole rant about it that just showed me bananas now this is when i did just joe playing fun sometimes when people were all supporting saying sure the legs would be cool i did this just for fun i said hey should the hover robots come with legs and also with you know a stand of being hover but i said should they have legs and everybody said no they shouldn't have legs that'd be stupid and i was like well why is it stupid they said well they never had legs i said Neither did the energy zoids. And I know why this is... Now, Danielle, I think you might be able to agree with me, and maybe even T-Rex can understand this. Most people who know the Hoverbots obviously know it was from the Filmation cartoon. You've seen them tons of times. They're buried into your brain. But a lot of the people that were into the cartoon, like I said earlier, didn't have Rotar and Twistoids. Some never knew of them. I think if they would have been in the Filmation cartoon and they had some prominent roles, at least five episodes at least i don't think anybody would have questioned 
oh, they should have legs. They would have said they didn't have them in the cartoon because a lot of people really take that cartoon from what their knowledge is. A lot. I'm not saying all, but I guarantee you that's why the, the hated ones, Rotar, Twistoid, Scareglow, Ninjor, Blast Attack, you know, they're not in the cartoon. And that's when they're some of the hated ones. I think if they were in the cartoon, I mean, what do you think? If they were in the cartoon, do you think they would have got a little more respect of people maybe in, you know, knowing who they should be? You can go ahead, Tyler. Go ahead, Tyler, first, and then Danielle. I'm just curious about the whole filmation thing. It's a thought. That's my thought. I, I have to disagree because Snout Spelt did appear, and the guy still gets a lot of dismissive <laughs> reactions, which I, I'm like, I still want to, you know, smack people left and right, you know, for dismissing him. And anybody who came out in 1987 to extend all rear blasts, I just want to, you know, line them all up and just, you know, just smack them all. It's just... Acting as if, like, the only first two waves of characters are like, no, that's him. Well, it's like, to me, you're a casual fan. You're not a hardcore fan. There's you know, differences. So around loosely that you got all this and that, and uh, they don't count, you know. There's, there's several characters that, like Jitsu, have one appearance, but he's still a relatively, you know, loved character. I don't think he gets nowhere near his attention as he deserves. One, one appearance, not even name-checked in the episode, but still is accepted, whereas Snout Spout is given a different name. Gets to put the star on, on the tree in the royal palace, you know, well, in the Christmas special. Well, see, that's what I'm saying. You know? His his role wasn't super fantastic in the cartoon. I'm just saying if, like, Snoutspot got into some amazing action when he was doing stuff, and then picture real blast, if he popped in the cartoon and you see the guns come out, and there was a lot of episodes where he's taking care of business, I think that... Well, they weren't, they weren't going to make any of these guys real, <laughs> you know, badasses. I mean, they like, Mossman never really got to do anything really cool in Filmation. He's just kind of toned down and not given the best voice and cycling didn't get to really do anything special either and uh you know it's i just felt like anybody who came after that first season of, of the formation episodes is going to get aside from buzz off and mechanic and disappearing dragons <laughs> they, they 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 were depicted fantastic uh, um, yeah i, I, think I, any, I just felt anybody... like were... go ahead yeah, Daniel, your thoughts of, like i said i mean what, what would you think i mean like no, 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 you, you don't cut me off here you better finish your thought now I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I know. I was just going to say, like, it seems like anybody, uh, the characters that came out in the, the 1982 to 1985 waves are the ones that most people seem to like gravitate toward and the ones that they seem to remember the most. And I have to wonder if that was like a drop off uh, in terms of kids being into He-Man, like when it went into 86 and the sales kind of dropped off. I think a lot of fans now, you know, like hardcore fans know all of those characters, like Blast Attack and Scare Glow and stuff. But I think a lot of like casual fans, like everybody knows who Trapjaw is, right? You know, everybody knows who, um, you know, uh, Evil Lynn is, but nobody knows who. Well, like casual people don't know who Blast Attack is. They don't know who Ninja is. So those characters have kind of like they're just not as popular. I love them just as much, but for some reason, people just don't. For some reason, those don't hold us on to place for people. Nostalgia is a very powerful thing. It Nostalgia is. really It is. And like I said, I think that with the cartoon, really, I mean, I just keep envisioning my head. I just, with Joe Amato's, you know, hypotheticals, if Rotar and Twistoid hypothetically were in season one of Masters of the Universe cartoon and they were in there a lot and we didn't oh, yeah. get figures for them till later, I still think then 
just by being in the cartoon and people seeing them because it's like giving them life you know now they have life beyond the toys they're seeing them on the cartoon i think then people would have probably been against them having legs just like when i said should the hoverbots have them because man i felt like you know i, I insulted somebody's mother <laughs> you know i was like hey should they have legs like hey it's like jesus calm down calm down but they were like no no legs no legs so i'm telling you <laughs> cartoons are a big impression i mean on kids what about spike or what about Spike Orr? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> People are going to go by the cartoons so heavily. I think Spike Orr's look carries him higher than his poor depiction in the cartoon. Don't you think? <laughs> so I'm I your whole theory here. I, I, I find it, you know, plot <laughs> all over the place here. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if Rotar and Twister would have been in that cartoon showcasing their spinning feature. And they would have came moment. out, in, and uh, if they got had, 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 uh, uh, released a third official season, they, who knows? They they probably would have had bad voices. They probably would have been, you know, getting caught in bubblegum traps and things like that. And can't spin around and. I can just I can just hear Lou Shimer doing Twistoid's voice. I can just I can hear it. <laughs> yeah, and it probably wouldn't be a very flattering voice of the character either. Just, you know, no, no, and you know, Rotor shows up and like the 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 circus returns to Eternia. You know uh, the the. You know, the greatest show in Eternity sequel, you know, or something like that. You know? Just I'm something I'm doing a service to these characters here. I'm not, because I, I, anybody know, who's listening to the show uh, knows that I absolutely love Filmation. I love it, I love it, I love it. But I've told Joe numerous times that the quality of the character depictions dropped drastically, probably because of all the angry parents thinking it's teaching their kids to bring up the conjure of the devil, the devil or yeah. something, some nonsense like some that. Nonsense. So, Unfor- I just felt like if they were in the cartoon, if people didn't don't like their look, which is the biggest complaint, they just don't think they fit. I don't think it would help them a whole lot because Spike Orr got poor treatment. You know, Mossman didn't get the best. Cyclone didn't get the best. Uh, you know, a lot of the uh, you know Snout Spell didn't get treated. I mean, not treated. I just felt like they they didn't get as prominent depictions as like Fisto and Stratos and Ram Man and. Uh, but you know what the thing is, they were still there though. I mean, they were still there enough to where people could relate them cartoon and figures. For well, like Fisto only had like a couple of episodes, but still, it's you know you felt like he's they're they're treating him as a serious character. Where I just felt like Rotar Twistle would have met. A silly, unfortunate fate. I just died. No, they could have. I just, I mean, really, I honestly think just the, the look of them, just them being there might have changed it. Because, like I said, it's, I mean, look at how people have always loved the Hoverbots. And I keep bringing them up as an example because they've always been there from the beginning, even like way into other, you know, episodes. But people know that look. So there's no question that when those were going to become figures for classics, they wanted that exact look. So I think it would have helped. I mean, really, honestly, I think it would have helped the figures if they were in the cartoon to see that look. Then when classics were making them, I don't think there would have been as big as a debate of giving them legs. Because I think they felt like they're out of place because they didn't look right. So give them legs so they could display with the people that have legs. And if you want, have them, you know, just look like they did as a vintage toy. Because like I said, otherwise, I mean, really, why wouldn't the Hoverbots got the same leg treatment? Because they always said the reason they should have leg is to legs to display with the other figures. So why wouldn't Hoverbots get them? Because you know why? 
they know they never had him in the cartoon. I really, like I said, I think that's my thing with the filmation impression that kids might have. I mean, just a theory. Not saying I'm right, but I'm thinking it could have been a little. I think with this thing, we're supporting casual fans. You think so, Daniel? We're we're supporting the people who, when they think He Man, they think Trap Jaw and Beast Man. That's about as far as they go. When you show them something that looks, you know, like this here, Twistoid here, classic. <laughs> You know, they think, well, what is that? You know, what is, what is that like a globe towards right. the 80s or something? You know, it's, you know, I, I just, I kind of feel like people who probably would have demanded legs for the classics, you know, I just feel like uh, the three of us, we get it. To put legs on these things was absolutely just, you know, what are you thinking? You know, yeah. And yeah. I just, felt yeah, it was, it was a total sales tactic. I mean, it yeah. was made for sales, I'm sure, because they wanted to appeal to as big a section of people as they could, right? So some people, like you said, casual fans might not. I think a lot of the hardcore fans of those characters are going to display them without legs for sure. I mine's went right in the parts bin with the, <laughs> the spare weapons yeah, the there. The the legs went right in. I just took them out. I just, yeah, just throw it away because I'm, yeah. I'm not using it. Maybe I could have sold them to Joe and use customs or something. <laughs> hey guys, we have uh, <laughs> Spikor, evil master of untouchable combat in the chat room on YouTube and he says that Spikor sometimes had hands in the cartoon and yeah. his classics had both hands. Yeah. yeah. You're right. I think, yeah, they did that in the cartoon. Didn't they like display him differently, like you said, sometimes where the, even the... Yeah, yeah, like in the games episode, he's doing, you know, the whole like Hulkamania pose here. <laughs> but then when you see him in a Visitors from Earth. He's got his, you know, his trident hand. He looks imposing. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna stab you here. And, uh-huh. You know, so it, you it know, you just if they had gotten Hulk Hogan, if they had gotten the Hulkster to do the voice of Spike or I think you know. Well, let me tell you something. Enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> they use that stock footage of Spike or like. There's so many times. Uh, oh, man, he's so cool, dude. No, I'm glad he mentioned that in Did the chat room. I appreciate that. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. They could have done a crossover with Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. Oh, dear God. Oh, yeah. boy. I, oh, oh, boy. When I have been there front and center for that one, man. <laughs> Hogan and He-Man teaming up in like a, a, a tag team match against Skeletor and Roddy Piper. And you got Captain Lou Albino and Chef Allen inside the ring you know, providing food. Sign me up. Sign oh, me up. Boy, that, that, that could be a podcast we could do, talking about how, how we cross a rock and wrestling with the heroic warriors and Nevermore. Have you listened to Evil in? There you go. Oh, cool. boy. Yeah, that's awesome, man. <laughs> Well, that was, uh, all right, well, that was pretty good. I think the energies always needed some kind of good respect. Like you said, it was fantastic. You did a fanfic on him. You know, we found out a little more about Rotar and an Italian comic. You know, he appeared there. And this them in general. Like you said, whether you love or hate the legs, I mean, either way, they're fantastic-looking classic figures. And if you display them either way, I mean, hey, that's your choice, and it's great. So, But it's just always fun, fun having different opinions. And now this is where I'm for a second going to take a break and let Tyler, maybe. We're going to go into our character profile now. Tyler, I want you to start off our character selection of the week, and then you and Danielle could have a little fun back and forth, but go ahead, Tyler. Let's see who we're talking about. Somebody that you love, I think. Apparently, my uh, uh, opinions have come into question (laughs) that uh, I'm a (laughs) misogynist of some kind here. Uh, And that, that my... (laughs) <laughs> the you know 
captain of the sands of time, you know, Miss Sandy Vagina herself, Taylor. <laughs> you know, is 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 completely Classy. unfair, unnecessary, Classy, <laughs> and uh, and just you know, completely immoral, ugly. Uh, in fact, I've even walked into random bathrooms in my area and found graffiti targeting me. You know, in my views of Tila, I don't know how they found me. I don't know. Uh, you know, it was written in crayon with the R's reversed and all kinds of stuff like that. So clearly, they were just writing whatever. But uh, I, I think I figured who was who was quite upset with that. And uh, apparently, if she's been listening to the show, you know, or, or gotten word of it. She's heard my views on, and and not just before we did a a, a bio about her a while back. I'm just having I'm having fun building up to this great debate here because the when Joe told me that 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 Danielle thought doesn't really like Taylor that much, I was like she probably thinks I hate women or something like that. You know, which I was just I'm just I want to I want to run with this here. You know. Um. You know, oh, you know what? People already know what I think about the character, and I, it's I think before before I'm going to let Danielle unleash hell on me, being uh, on the you know the macho misogynist here. You know, Tila is an essential character to this mythology. I would not want another story, movie, cartoon, toy line that does not include her. She's a must, even though the live action movie from 1987 got her right the most. She looked the hottest in that one, and. Um, you know, of course, I, I thought the same about her as a kid. I grew up, and I thought, you know what? Hey, I like her a lot more. But um, all, right, all right, Daniel, the, the the podium is yours. You know, get, t- just rip me a new one there. Here we go. Well, Joe Joe wanted me to, you know, to he's clearly setting up this this uh, debate oh, here, this war of the sexes, apparently. And uh, you know, you know I, I apologize. Here, I'm, you know, I think it's quite great. <laughs> We're breaking new ground here as we speak. I apologize in advance because, to quote you, it is my time of the month, and so I, I might fly a little off the handle. I, well, I've said that some about Tila, that, that she's always you know, DMSing or something, so it, it, how fitting is that, that she is on her period? We have got not only her first female on the show. I'm not. I'm not, really. I just, I just want I just wanted to. I'm not. I, I am not. That is not happening. I just, I just, I just threw that out there. I, I, I had to say it. Um, no, I mean, um, you, know, you, you should have planned. If you planned, you should have brought like a box of tampons and set them right there. Just kind of brought you, them on the tray, <laughs> just so you know. She ain't pulling that, down that, here, that, been, that would have been ideal. Uh, you know, it's just you know, I hear you talk about Tila, and it's you know her time of the month, and words that rhyme with which which I, I relate to that i guess you know <laughs> but i have never called her that though but i definitely insinuated it you insinuated uh and I said, what's what is what is going on here and then the sand in the vagina of course that was <laughs> gosh you know what do you say to that you know when you're listening to there you're like wow T- tyler really doesn't like Tila and and then of course I, I have to wonder why and it seems to be the filmation Tila and then I think about filmation Tila and I say to myself well okay I'm gonna I'm gonna acknowledge Tila in the filmation cartoon can be a, a bit hard on on dear Prince Adam she is hard on him but think about it try and put yourself in in Tila's shoes you know um she's the captain of the guard 
right? She's grown up with this this guy with this prince, and she's clearly there's some feelings there. There's some there's somewhat they're somewhat like siblings, but they're also somewhat you know there's there's a bit of attraction there. Uh, which she's even said, right? She'd like to meet somebody. She the ideal her ideal man is somebody with Adam's wit and He Man's courage, right? So she's Tila has sees this guy who's you know supposed to have these responsibilities as a prince. He's supposed to you know he's late for combat practice all the time. He's off sleeping in the woods somewhere, which I mean I don't blame him. That looks really awesome. Go hang out with Cringer and Orko and take a nap. Go fishing. That's great, but to her, you know, she's in a position where she's like, you know, she's all about responsibility, and here's this guy that she's loves, you know, and who acts like a surprise. So of course she's going to get ticked off at him and give him hell about it all the time. Like that's that's of course she's going to do that. Why wouldn't she do that? Uh, I mean, Randor gives him just as much flack, and I didn't hear you give Randor a hard time and say he has sand in his forever. <laughs> <laughs> so it, I, I mean, Tila has shown again and again. She's you know she is headstrong. She's a, she's a pain. She doesn't listen to her dad, but she's head she is headstrong absolutely. But she's also resourceful and and brave. Uh, there's so many good qualities about her that I think outweigh the sometimes annoying, you know. Ball busting, as I believe you call it, uh, on uh, she does to Adam. You know, uh, there's she's a, she's a, an awesome character. I love Tila, the filmation cartoon. I can, you know, it's like, what is she going to do? Adam's slacking off all the time. Of course, she's going to get on his case. Right. But you know, ultimately, they're going to fall for each other. You know? Yeah, yeah. In, in my head, you know, with the whole like hero, son of He Man thing, like yes, they they would, you know. It, you know, they end up together. I, I, I do not quite, I would never ever want to change it. To me, that, that should be, that's, that's canon one-on-one. That, that is a must and it's going to happen. Now, as, as much as I like the idea of he ending up with Frosta, uh, <laughs> that, that would probably be like a summer love thing and that he would kind of goes back to, to Tila and Frosta becomes the ice queen because she's so, you know, uh, she's so scorned by He-Man's, you know, uh, withdrawal from her. But, um, you know, you brought up some really good points about that, but what I, I guess her, her attitude just never seems to know when to stop because any, any time there's an opportunity, you know, where there's going to be a call to action or we need to do something, we got to take care of this. Her first order of business is to bust out of the balls before we get going, here, <laughs> you know, just take, take, let me just take the time and let everyone know here that you don't have to go with me, Adam, or he's probably doing this, or he's probably chasing Lady Amanda, you know, or, or, or whatever the case may be. It's all, no matter what, even when it's, you know, yes, when if she catches Adam, you know, like in Tila's question, like, aren't you ashamed of yourself when he's like caught fishing, you know, I didn't catch a thing. <laughs> you know, yes, she's got right to be mad for that. Yes. And Which was a great that. comeback. It was a great comeback. <laughs> Was you know, and I, and I as a kid, I'm like, you tell her, Adam was like, oh, he's got to go deal with her mouth here. So, but her, her just it's like she just she just thrives on embarrassing him when she can, and obviously this is building it because she sees Adam chasing other uh, women around the court and not really 
giving her probably the attention that she's craving because she's a fiery redhead. You know, she's she's uh, she's she's you know. Is, is that bad to say? I just feel like you know when you're fiery redhead. Is is that? Is that, is that <laughs> I was like, actually, I have one follow up question. I'm not pissing here. off any redheaded women right now, or, or people who are married to redheaded women, or what have you. Um, but but Tyler, I just want to ask you one follow up question. Um, misogynist. So if my back is sore, that means you rub the muscles until they're relaxed, right? Oh, great! Now, now my grammar's being challenged right here on the spot. You know, I won third place in Walmart spelling bee in Tennessee years ago. He's been working on that one, and I'm not. I'm He's not been working on that one for right a while. Here. You can tell. Look, I've, I've never been called the word before in my life, so I, I don't have a reason to use it. So that now that I have used it. I'm being called out for it, so. <laughs> I I never said I I don't think I ever said that, but uh, I I did find it interesting that that Tila was the was the strong focus there. And Randor never got any flack from you, and he gives he gives Adam he gives Adam hell all the time. His daddy, his daddy. I guess could say whatever he wants. He's like, that's my son. You better do something. Yeah, but she's like his best friend. She's been you know, his best friend since they were. Kids. I never really thought of like. And he runs off. But right, I right expect more from fight, this, right? this girl is captain of the guard here. Okay, you, you you expect her to be a lot more, uh, you know, um, adult about things that she's not. I mean, obviously she's hot headed. She she doesn't think she gets herself in more trouble. He man's got to go save her. You find out the but she's finds it, huh? What about when she saves Adam? Like in in the. Uh, you know, and the comet's coming at him, and then she knocks him out of the way. Like, she she didn't she waste any time doing that. Or when she's... Come on, she's for Pete's sake. All right, whatever. Or when she's in the <laughs> desert with Evelyn, and she shows her resourcefulness by cutting that cactus in half, and it's filled with water. You know, she's... she's You're, you're focusing too much on, on the things that annoyed you about Tila as a child. And they're so they're saying, saying, like, I'm carrying childhood <laughs> trauma with me into my adulthood over this... This, this very angry redheaded woman. That's angry. In, that's angry. Indeed. You indeed. gotta let that go. You gotta <laughs> let that go. It's too much. Anger. No, but you know what's weird is I never thought of like what you said. And you're right. It's like picture there's somebody that you like. You have your uh, high school sweetheart. You know, those girl you like. And, you know, you pick on her sometimes. You pick on her a little too much. And it's not because you, you know, hate her or anything or you want to pick her. It's because you like her. So, I mean, I guess I could see the aspect like what you're saying, how she might pick on Adam all the time because she really likes him. But I, I know what Tyler kind of means too because sometimes it seems like her portrayal was a little too over the top. Like she's always anticipating Adam screwing up. I agree. I agree. Play. I agree. You know, and that that is now that could have been a little annoying because I mean I like And that's probably out of anger because Adam's not putting out, you know. Where she I never know. Well, I'd rather see this man fail <laughs> than, than succumb to my desires, you know. Well, see, that's what I liked in some of the early <laughs> comics like like the DC comics, the earlier ones, where she was blonde, she was more of a warrior, you know, a warrior, and you know, she was somebody that you know. I think she treated Adam better. She wasn't as you know annoying, nitpicking her. Yes, she wasn't. She was. She was ticked off at him in those DC miniseries when he's like, I mean, she she was she was not as. Uh, I guess shrewish. That's as, what I mean. As, yeah, as, exactly. You know, she but she was on his she was on his case. She got on his case quite a bit because in well, those yeah. DC the crossover with Superman, like he's like out carousing in the bar and stuff, and she's like, "I have to save your butt." Well, again, you know, I always have to yeah. do this. 
It's uh, true, but and, there's a way that it was kind of different. I mean, I even like how they were kind of like interacting back and forth, like when he was doing his training, and apparently she's as strong as He-Man in that issue because she's throwing the barbell to him, and he's catching it, and Prince Adam is tying it to a knot. I still always wondered that. I was like, wow, this is different. I mean, how strong is this Prince Adam, and how strong is this Tila? You know, it was just kind of... I mean, it's somebody she loves, right? Or somebody she loves both as a f- somebody... Like, she thinks of him as family, right? But also has this, you know, also uh, a love interest thing going on. And it's mutual, too. I, I'm sure, you know, Adam and He-Man, you know, feels feel the same way. But you see this person that you, like, actually really care for. And right, right when there's a battle that's about to happen, he takes off running and disappears. And it's like, what the hell? Like, you want that person to show courage and to be a, a strong person and they disappoint you over and over and over again and that's what kills adam too because adam's like i hate having to do this all the time right like he's always he hates that you know and and she, but that's what she sees that's what she sees somebody who's acting you know like, what's a difference too? And, and, and that's off. the thing that's slightly different is if you notice in filmation if you will his whole you know, laziness was kind of like an act, if you will, compared to the DC mm-hmm. one. Now, he really was. I mean, he was the ladies' man. That was his thing. He w- he wasn't uh, as, I guess, you know, bumbling. You know, they did the whole, when it came to filmation, you got more of the bumbling Clark Kent Superman thing with the Adam He-Man thing. You know, just, oh, he might not do this right. Oh, he doesn't do that right, even though he knows what he could do. But I think that's what I liked in the DC one was the DC one. He really was this laid-back prince. He's, he's with the ladies. He can relax and do what he wants. And, you know, and then, yes, then he can become He-Man. But I don't know, there was something about the way he i felt like was portrayed a little differently and better in the dc stuff and at least tila sure like you said while she's still writing his case yeah her character felt stronger she felt stronger yeah. more confident to so, me i liked how she was mm-hmm. in the dc comic adam says he's going to raise was it raise flagons of ale with stout uh stout, with stout gents or stout uh oh, i forgot what it was no, the word uh, used, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another one, Tila. Now, this is uh, with Tyler. I'd be curious, too. What did you both think of MYP, Tila, and her Oh, she sucks even more. Uh Uh-oh. Wait. uh, Tyler, is there any version of Tila that you like besides the 87? Just that's the Uh, only uh, version. Oh, yeah, the Golden Book. Anytime Tila was portrayed in the Golden Books. Golden Golden Book Tila was portrayed as, you know, she's – you know, she's He Man's like female companion, not like boyfriend girlfriend thing, but she's, yeah. you know, she's always there to help and fight. And you know, she'll get in there, she'll get you know, like in Caverns of Fear where she she's going one on one with Trapjaw, and then kind of gets overpowered. But she's she she's not a, you know she doesn't she doesn't come off as very like you know no time for that. We got to go over go over here without thinking or being rational or she just she's always written a lot more. Uh, and more, a little bit more intelligent, you know, and not that, you know, because okay. if what Linda Gary helps make Taylor a very beloved character, she's got some very good moments, you know, and I would love, you know, you, you can come back and we can do like Taylor's quest. And then I, and then I, I, I will sit there and just praise the hell out of that episode. Cause that's a I very good that episode. episode. So good. So good. Such a great episode. I mean, it's got good moments. It's got one of the more emotional moments of the series in an episode. And I blame myself for not focusing, but I always tried to make a point of saying, yes, there, Tila does have a lot of good, good things about her, but the, the way she's portrayed in golden books, 
uh, was great, but I, I'd say her lowest point was NYP. Um, not even though her, her updated look, she looked fantastic, but geez, man, I mean, her and Adam both were portrayed as putzes. You know, it's <laughs> you know at least in filmation where he's establishing to Man at Arms and to the, us, the kids watching it, that you know he's doing he's everything he's doing, and he's always portrayed as this lazy oak because he's there. You know, holding court with his dad, they hear about this. They they're they're going down to check on the latest that the, the attorney is running low and blah 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 blah. But NYP Adam, it, he, the guy doesn't hesitate to take a chance and just be lazy, just because. You know, we're 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 told that when information, at least by this point, he's accepted this responsibility. It's like a twenty four seven on call. You know, he's like a firefighter. He's always on call here. You know, he doesn't have time to take a break. Whereas NYP is just like. You know, he's fussing over, I got to learn to use proper silverware and stuff like that, which I understand where they're coming from. Or like in Council of Evil, when everyone's being disappeared left and right, or everyone is disappearing left and right, excuse me. I don't want dogs to come in and correct my grammar again. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just waiting for the right moment. Yeah, I'm sure that you've got everything just waiting. It's like, I'm waiting waiting (laughs) for that call. But uh, I, I just felt like both of them, you, you don't feel sympathetic for either one of them. You feel like how how these two ever end up together because there's no, you know, we were established in the beginning. It should be Adam is lazy. Taylor can't stand it. But then there's no personal growth for Adam in that. So you kind of feel like these two are just like two rocks slamming against each other. There's nothing fun about it. There's nothing interesting from a character standpoint with that. I'm going to agree. There was very little um, warmth uh, in that relationship between yeah. the two of them. Um, that was it. Just didn't. I didn't get that that was any connection there. And I I felt that way. I love the MIP cartoon. Don't get me wrong. I really I, I, it had a lot, lot of great moments, but that was one of its weaker points. Yeah. Yeah, I just felt a lot of the character portrayals were a bit distant and cold, um, including like the sorceress man at arms. Oh. It just that. That was one thing I, I just missed is like there's this that kind of family bond that happens um, between the characters was kind of toned down quite a bit in MIP and I, I felt Tila fell under that. But I don't think that was her lowest point. I think her lowest point was the early 2012 DC comic where um, she was <laughs> I, really, really hateful. The early 2012 DC comic. They kind of cor- corrected the course a little bit later on with her, but early on, she was so insufferably obnoxious. I hated Tila, and I don't want to hate Tila. I want to like Tila. Yeah, even towards Mechanic, I hated Awful. what she was doing. Oh, that, man, was, that, 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 that is like, that does it. That was a mess. That was a mess. Just everybody go out there, get get this, get the Taylor tape. <laughs> go ahead, get, get this mini comics. I'm right here. That's what you yeah. need to get. Get this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about the early mini comics with Tila because she was very different in the like the Alcala Donald Glute comics. Yeah, yeah, she's very, very strongly in all of those. You know, or, I like or, those too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, when Tila in the mini comics, there's another one. She's always portrayed pretty consistently in the mini comics. Whether she's taking on Roboto and about ready to have the battle axe kind of thrown right into her head, but she's still taking on you know Roboto and. Uh, you know, uh, double-edged sword, and, and it, I mean, always. She's. I can't think of one where she's like comes off as just like roll your eyes at her, groan, or just like you know, <laughs> someone, put a put a sock in it, love. You know, not one. <laughs> so there's another one. There's another one. She's always portrayed consistently well in the mini comics. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I I liked her in the mini comics too. Uh, she just was she was a, a very competent combatant. Like she was a warrior, just like 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 everyone else. And in the, those early ones, they said she was like possessed by the spirits of the her ancestral these ancestral warriors or something like some real wild mystical thing that was kind of thrown out there in one of those uh, Don Glute El Cal mini comics. And I was like, oh, that's a, that's pretty cool. You know, that's a a cool idea and then of course in that second wave that dc did the mini comics she was uh cloned from the sorceress or the goddess i guess you know so she was like uh, basically was was just a duplicate of, Which of never, like, and then they murdered i just i've never really taken that idea I, I, it seems a bit yeah. too far-fetched even for what they're asking us to believe I mean, I never cared too much for that idea either, and I, I didn't get why it was brought back for classics because I just I think it just works so well that her father was we don't know who her father is, but she was adopted by Manor Arms. Not fist. It's definitely not Fisto. <laughs> no matter what they're hinting at, it's not Fisto. It's not being known. Like I think it's better. Yeah, I like that too. It, it, that's that's what's one of the coolest things about. About Master of the Universe, we don't need explanations for everything. We don't need to know where people came from. We don't need to know that there's a race of, of of moss men running around in the forest somewhere or something like that. You know, it's we need just one of everybody, and they're mysterious characters. We don't need to know how they got there. Well, unless the Manicoms gave it to us or something like that. But like, they we were all sold on these characters. Here, you know, men and women, heroes and villains, because they look cool and what they did and what they stood for. Over-explaining it takes away a lot of their mystique. That's true. No, I agree. And one quick thing, when you were talking about Prince Adam from MYP, now that's the one thing where I guess I have a different thought about that Prince Adam. Oh, boy, here we go. Here we there go. There goes Joe again. No, what's weird is, now I like that Prince Adam, and here's why. Because that Prince Adam reminded me of the early, early DC Prince Adam, meaning He's crowsing, he's lazy, he doesn't like learning or doing things, certain things he doesn't care about. I mean, he's just like, eh, he's a lazy prince. And that's what I mean, it wasn't an act. It wasn't an act early, it wasn't an act in MYP. But in Filmation, he kind of says he knows he has to act a certain way. And that's when I tell you it's the whole Superman Clark can't think. I felt like it's a dual identity where he acts lazy. But when you but that, are lazy... That makes better sense than someone no. who is like, oh, well, you know, I guess if I have to go save the burning building, I guess But you I know what's will. cool about it? It gives him... Well, I know what you mean, but I like that it actually gives him two personalities. You have this lazy prince, and then he's trying to learn to be a hero. He's got to learn to get rid of these lazy ways that, that he has, so he doesn't have to put on it. He really is just a lazy guy. But then, the mentality. I, I, oh. I always got the vibe that Prince Adam was, in, even in filmation, that even though he said it was an act, I always got the vibe that he kind of genuinely enjoyed he seemed like he really he really liked doing that i thought i don't think it was that was an act i think he it was, was a mix kind of... i think a mix of it how they did it <laughs> yeah. you know like how they just how they wrote it sometimes yeah you could tell he liked probably laying I, back but other times he's acting i know i, I take the heart because I, I was like the man deserves a nap all right knowing what we see he right yeah adventure <laughs> the man wants to get away from the royal palace sit underneath the tree with cringer sleep while he's trying to catch a fish that's like the man has earned a break, and he's like, "I owe nobody an explanation for this. Hey, if I want to it, do it, I'm going to do it." And what you just said there, Tyler, and that's the reason. <laughs> and that's the reason I said I enjoy 
his secret identity while some people said, Oh, what's the sense? Why, you know, who cares? Why does he need a secret identity? I mean, you know, uh, who's he really going to protect? I'm like, well, he's got his family, but you know, anyways, a secret identity. It, you're, Anybody's ever read a comic book when those, no, should know the answer to that. Right. Like I said, we know about secret identities <laughs> and don't you think, okay, if they said, no, he should just permanently be He-Man. It's like, and remember I said it a while back, I said, don't you think He-Man would just like to relax? I mean, when you know it's He-Man, they're always going to fight you. Don't you want to relax once in a while? That's the thing with being, like you said, Prince Adam. He doesn't always want to fight. He doesn't feel like he has to fight all the time. Can a man or anybody just have some peace and some peace and quiet? And so it's true. You're, you're right. I do want to go just take a nap by a tree and me and Cringer relax and just have a fish. Yeah, you know. After all he does is He-Man. I mean, he does so much. So, yeah, he does. He does deserve a nap. But Tila doesn't know yeah, that he's He-Man. He's there trying to take away the fun. Doesn't know he's He-Man, though. <laughs> so to her, he's just some, like, you know, slacker. He's a slacker, you know, and he has all these responsibilities that he just doesn't do. So she doesn't he's know. He's a McFly? Is that who he is? He's when a McFly? She, when he's a slacker? She, yeah, when she finds out he's He-Man, then she's going to go, oh, hey. that's why. And then she's going to say, well, I, story I, would, I would love to see come to fruition is, is to see her take the take on the mantle of the sorceress and then realize that Adam was He-Man all this time. I mean, for her to emotionally take in all of that. That would be cool. That, that's a story I felt that can really develop her as a, in mm-hmm. like a big story of, of, of her maturing. And just that, that's something I've always been fascinated with is like knowing those two big things she's going to have to deal with. I'm like, and then spend the rest of her life taking care of Castle Grayskull in there just like her mother did. And not being able to raise, you know, their son, Hero, you know, if people accept that canon. Or pretty much the rest of her life like that. While Adam is ruling court in the royal palace and, you know, she can't see him except coming coming to him as uh, Zoar the Falcon. Which keeps that relationship strong then, because, yeah, they're, you know, not around each other, you know, getting on each other's nerves. Like, would you just get out of Castle Grayskull for a while? Just why don't you go back to that palace? I'm tired of seeing you. (laughs) (laughs) All the kind of arguments they have. Yeah. (laughs) Did you let Cringer out? No. It's your turn tonight. (laughs) Did you change his litter box? Come on. Uh, Look at this. This is... Too much. He gets up, he's he's up, he's up, walks up the jaw bridge and slams it shut. And he's going to go hang out the laughing swan in. And, you know, what's the problem, man? He's like, ah, oh, Taylor's on my case again tonight, man. You know. And then she's calling <laughs> through telepathy. Adam, when you coming home? You know, just like, oh, like, oh, my God. I, just, I better be invited to that bachelorette party is all I'm going to say. Because you know she really <laughs> There too. I'll make sure we throw Adam like the biggest bachelor party. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to bring in all kinds of you know starlets that Rotar's uh, you know insisting on bringing. I'm sure he knows some of the yeah. great. <laughs> Rotar knows. He's all he's hooked up. He, he knows. They just they just cut to a scene where Rotar's like, I got Chef Alan. Chef Alan's going to bring out the cake again, and you got to pop out. Here. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that was great. It's good that we could do that. Like I said, have all different opinions on one thing, but end in a good laughter and, you know, happy thought there. I mean, that's what it's all about anyways. Like I said, everybody's having different opinions, but we can still respect it and just have a blast. See, Tyler, Joe was trying to set us at each other's throats. So, so we, you know, he's, he, he, 
Uh, I was anticipating that. I was like, all right, I'm ready to The gloves are off here. This is my first time talking to the famous Penny Dreadful here, but I want it to be a memorable first confrontation. You know, kind of like, <laughs> you know, when Warrior and Hogan, the Royal Rumble, that's what I wanted this to be. You know, it's epic. There we, there we go. There things, we go. You know, that, that's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> my whole plan backfired. The plan of my joke lock just backfired. It didn't work. So, <laughs> son of a gun. It was very a very civil conversation. So now we have to turn on module on here. There you I, w- I was expecting you to pull the Jesse the Body Ventura commentary on me there. But... <laughs> well, be, be like the color commentary just to say, you know, I can't believe it. I'm on it. She's done it again here. She's beat me again. <laughs> or she's actually pulled a fast one on me said I can't spell or I can't, I don't use proper English. Or, they, they say, or, or, or set me up to have do- Doug jump in here and, and question how I talk and Poor guy, got attacked. That's, I didn't even expect that. He came out of nowhere. This dog pot here. Exactly. That's like somebody coming from backstage to run in the ring and hit you. That's what Doug did. He just came in, he ran from backstage, hit you with an insult, and took off and left you. Just left you in the middle of the ring hurt. But, hey, it happens. Uh, <laughs> I'm the best uh, there is. Come in like Bobby Brangin and come to, like, you know, mock me. And then Daniel's like, you can't do that. And then we just both close line again and throw you over the top row. There we go. There we go. <laughs> And then Rock and Rock really live as well. That was great. <laughs> but, uh, all right. Well, Danielle, I just, again, I wanted to thank you for joining us. And before we close, you know, up the show, you know, if you have any things you want to promote, say, or, you know, let fans know about you, go ahead, you do that. And, you know, go ahead, shoot anything you want. Oh, uh, sure. Thanks. Uh, well, definitely, please uh, consider picking up the uh, newspaper comic strip of He-Man newspaper comic strip book that's coming out from Dark Horse in February. Uh, we have the uh, Character Guide and World Compendium that's coming out in May, and that's uh, like tons and tons of different canons of all different characters and locations and everything that's in there. Uh, check out uh, shillingshockers.com. That's my, my TV show, which I'm semi-retired now, but I do a, a har- Halloween special every year. I host horror movies on local TV. Uh, He-Man.org. I plug that for, for Val. Uh, you know, check out He-Man.org. Uh, news and uh, all kinds of discussions about different things. And uh, I will see you guys uh, online on Facebook and uh, in the He-Man community and uh, PowerCon. Hope, hopefully, you guys will make it out to PowerCon this year. I know Joe's uh, Joe hasn't gone yet. Tyler, you know, Dirt, come on down. Like it'd be great to see you guys in person and hang Someday. out. I'd love to go to PowerCon. Yeah. It, guys, it's, it's I guess so it's just the, fun, the getting the money together and and all that. I mean, I, I've often I fantasize about going. Every time it happens, I'm like, man, I wonder what it would be like to be there right now. You know, and I, I yell at Joe because we're not there. And I'll tell you, and this is like has become almost like a stereotype saying this, but it's like online you see all these fights and people arguing sometimes and stuff about different things. But at PowerCon, it really just there's like a, a fun vibe of everybody kind of hanging out and geeking out about He Man together, and then you get to meet all the different people that worked on it, like Brian Dobson, Skeletor from MYP, like, you know, he comes up and hangs out at the party and we does Skeletor and we're just all like, I don't know, it's just fun. It's a fun that's feeling. It. So I hope you guys come out because it would be great. If you're gonna if you're gonna come as Jason Voorhees, that's absolutely fine. I've always wanted to meet Jason. It would be great him. to, you know, meet him. So <laughs> but yeah. come on down, you know, it'd be fun. It'd be great. Like I said, we will de- like I said, I'd love to make it sometime just like Tyler would and It'll happen sometime, and I appreciate that, and thanks for all those, you know, like I said, all the shout-outs you did. And now, Tyler, 
before you do your shout outs, is there something you'd like to address before you do your shout outs, just to let fans know something about ne- next week's episode? Oh, yes, 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 of course. Um, next week, we are planning to be interviewing the production designer of the 1987 live action movie, William Stout, the man who designed Blade and Beastman and the the, fanta- the the greatest film set that's ever been put on film <laughs> in history, the Castle Grayskull. <laughs> So we are planning on sitting down with this this gentleman and picking his brain and asking his, asking him what it was like to work with Menahem and uh, Man, me, Menahem Golan and Gorham Glo- Yoram Globus. Good grief! I always get their names so the, the can the Canon Film Company, the people who that's the name. Good man, I'm really botching this here. I'm like Sid Vicious right now, and, and this is live. <laughs> What it was like we're making the movie, dealing with all the behind the scenes troubles and problems and coming up with designs and working with Mattel and and just all the, the chaos. I feel like there's so many unanswered questions about working on that film that need to be asked. And that's what we're planning on doing next Sunday. That'll be great. All right. So uh, any any uh, recommendations of episodes or anything or just you want that to be your thing that you do that you end with? All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to pick. Uh, I'm going to recommend the '87 movie just because of what's coming up, of course. And there then I'm going to pick a pro Tila episode here, but uh, <laughs> to to kind of help win win back the the good graces of Penny Dreadful here. You know, sure. she could she could could be you know putting a curse on me in her late night show or something like that. I don't even know it here, so I want to make sure mm-hmm. that that's the kibosh on that. Here. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to go with. Gosh, because I've recommended so many episodes, and I, I know I've probably double double dipped a couple of times. Um, now you know what? I'm just going to go with Pawns of the Game Master again, something because when we're talking about the dynamics of between Adam and Tila, that's the first time you really see them admit that they have something for each other. So uh, just on that note alone, because of what we discussed, Pawns of the Game Master from Season 1. Okay. All right, thanks. That sounds like a good episode. Well, actually, all of them are good, even though some things could be nitpicked to death, like, you know, we've done on a couple, but still, you got to watch them all. You know, you have to see every one of these episodes one way or another. So. Not the Star Child. That's your favorite. Remember that Star Child is Tyler's favorite episode. So, uh, yeah. Well, um, well, Danielle, before I do my like uh, closing remarks and everything, again, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. It was a blast. Yeah, it was yeah. awesome having you on. Oh my God, my pleasure, guys. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I really enjoyed chatting with you guys. I had a really good time, and uh, thank you so much. And uh, yeah. I look we'll forward have you on to again. listening to your. Yeah, cool, awesome. And I look forward to listening to future episodes. All right. Would you ever want to come back and, and do another, uh, you know, man versus woman, you know, debate? Maybe we could de- decide the, the, <laughs> the relationship between Evil Lynn and Skeletor. You know, is it as abusive as I think it is? <laughs> <laughs> It is that is an interesting dynamic there for sure. There's a lot going on there. <laughs> yeah. We'll keep it in mind. So oh and as for me, <laughs> you can always go to fansofpower.com, popculture.com, or popculturenetwork.com. Sorry about that, Doug. Don't you shoot me. Don't correct me. I know you got Tyler earlier. Don't get me now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we won't on the show. <laughs> there you go. We all had our moment. And go to hemanworld.com and on Facebook go to Masters of the Universe He-Man and She-Ra Ultimate Fan Group and they're all great places, all great people. So until next time, have a powerful day. Good journey. Miss Oh shoot, I had a quote in my head here now. I'm getting ready to screw that one up too.
Good grief. <laughs> well, there you ended with that. That's great. There, just, you don't know anything. Well, at least I was going to quote something from my cousin Vinny, and I've screwed it up here, you know, because I'm I'm all I'm all jumbled up utes? right now. The two youths. You kind of did that. Oh no, no, that's too easy. You know. Okay. Uh, Your biological clock is ticking. Or there, see, that could have been one. All right, you were oh, serious. There you go. <laughs> There's my quote. You were serious about that. <laughs> <laughs>